Hi, and welcome back to another recording of the Encouraging Word Podcast. I'm Stephen Young, and I'm who's with me is Paul Bennett, the assistant pastor at Rock Hill United Methodist Church. And uh, we are excited to be back with you guys again. And we are continuing our series at looking at the history of Rock Hill United Methodist Church. And it has been some fascinating things. I'm really excited about this podcast. Um, Paul and I, um, we found some, well, we talked to Sherry Schwartz, but we found some old ancient doc, well, old documents, maybe not ancient. We found, <laughs> we found old documents. We felt like we were in the National Treasure. Is it National Treasure movie? Is that what it's called? Yeah, although I think um, probably Indiana Jones yeah, would be more yeah, of yeah. a widely known right. reference. More Indiana Jones. And it was very quite dangerous, um, risky. Um, we had to dig through dirt and, and <laughs> grime and, and, uh, you're, you're Harrison Ford, right? Is that? Is oh, that of course. That? Yeah. So yeah. Paul put on his cowboy hat and. You're that little kid that runs around <laughs> with them and just, uh, <laughs> obnoxious. And, yeah. I'm more Steven Spielberg. I'm the director. Oh, you so just, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's Whatever <laughs> makes you my boss. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 right. Um, so before we get to those fascinating documents and those, and that, History of Rock River and IMS Church. We're going to do our fit segment, which is the first time in perhaps, man, I don't know, a month or so. So we have, we should have a ton of material. Still took Paul a lot <laughs> to figure out his fit <laughs> segment. His life is still boring yeah. months later. So Sorry. Um, I'll start off with mine and then and Paul will lead in with his. And, after, and then after that, we'll get to our documents. So. Uh, my fifth segment is confirmation. So we just wrapped up confirmation last Sunday, and it was a really great group, really great time. Um, every confirmation, I really enjoy. I really enjoy the students, and just teaching the basics of the Christian faith is always a lot of fun. And seeing the students grow and develop and and become more mature by the end of the by the end of the class. So all of them. Most of them. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Oh, all of course. Them of much course. More mature. And, uh, and yeah, and so every year it's uh, a new group. So I have a new group here in the next couple of months. But every group truly is unique and different. I remember the group with uh, with Paul's kids. That that was a difficult year, but <laughs> we made it through. Yeah, their classmates are <laughs> yeah. kind of sketchy. Yeah. I remember. Right. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, that's my fit segment. Great year of confirmation and looking forward to uh, the next group, next batch. Next batch. <laughs> Making cookies here, Rock Your River. Uh, so a lot has happened, I think, since Stephen and I shared personally uh, some updates of those things in our lives that have been funny, interesting, and thought-provoking. Um, but I, I would be amiss to skip over the fact that my family just endured our, our second round of COVID here um, and are, are just officially emerging from quarantine. So... You know, this thing's been with us for uh, two and a half years now, and um, so it's, it's not unusual for folks to have have uh, dealt with it multiple times. I, I know plenty of folks have dealt with it more times than we have, and I know plenty of folks who have yet to uh, yet to fall prey to the virus, and that's my prayer for everybody to be able to avoid it. So uh, second time around, and, and we were fully vaccinated and boosted up but uh you know it always changes and of course uh my my wife and daughter brought it home to us um and uh by the time we figured out what was going on we, we were all down and 
my my son, um, uh, two kids that still live in the house, and my son bravely uh, battled it and and uh, masked up and avoided us for the whole week and and thought that he was uh, in the clear. And then just when we thought we were all emerging and he had come through unscathed, he tested positive too. So I felt bad for him, but. Um, but he's uh, about to come out uh, from quarantine, and we're all back to back to life. And um, it uh, was not pleasant, but you know, it's just uh, part of our new reality, I suppose, in some ways. Or if not, and we we uh, officially conquer it at some point, we'll, we'll celebrate all the more. But uh, just uh, thank you, everybody, for your prayers and uh, grace and and uh, support of this church staff who step up anytime somebody has something going on and and uh, fill that void. So. Um, glad to be back with you. I'm max, ma- uh, masked up sitting here with, with Steven just to protect my, my brother from any residual germs, but uh, we're good to go. And excited to, to chat about the history of Rocky River United Methodist Church. So um, we we began this, I think this is our officially our, what, our third uh, episode yeah, third covering one. this topic. And uh, in the first episode, we brought in a couple of special guests, uh, folks who have been longtime members here at the church and got to hear personally from from them uh, some of their memories, uh, so hear them recount some of what they recall being the, the, the biggest events and, and uh, high points and even low points of the church over the last uh, 50, 60, 70 years. And, and that was uh, just an incredible um, time just hearing from them, their stories and, and their hearts and some of the things that uh, were unique about their uh, interactions with the church and how they remembered things. And then, of course, uh, last time we brought uh, Sherry Swartz on board with us and got to hear some of her unique perspective being a staff member and uh, one of our longest uh, uh, tenured staff members here at the church. And she is uh, just a wealth of information. Um, Anything you want to know about um, people in the church, history of the church, uh, just uh, just uh, makes it her her business uh, every week when people come on Sundays just to, to, to be with people in the midst of their stories. And, and so for that reason, she uh, just knows the people of this church and this community better than anybody else uh, that I know. And it's just a, a pleasure to tap into that wealth of, of information as we have opportunity. So we did that last time. And, and today, as Stephen said, we uh, Indiana Jones did and you know, we, we just emerged from the catacombs beneath the church that most people don't know about. And uh, there was a pit of snakes and vipers and yeah. lots of uh, spiders and cobwebs. A rolling ball. A, a rolling big ball. rolling uh, paper mache <laughs> boulder. <laughs> yeah, from Sunday schools long ago. Right, yeah. right, right. It was chasing us yeah. back into the classroom here where we're recording. But we, we made it. Steven's dusting off the cobwebs. And uh, I'm going to... Uh, dive in with our, our first document. So as we share today, the majority of what we're going to share is is going to be pulled directly word for word from uh, church documents, historical documents um, dating back to the, the earliest years of the church and recounting some of the big uh, developments, um, you know, additions to the building, events uh, that related to the building itself. Most of it's going to relate to the building uh, of the church and how uh, pastors and congregants past have kind of uh, recorded the experience of uh, building and, and developing this campus into what it is. Uh, but Stephen and I will interject with some thoughts as we go. Uh, but I want to start just by sharing. This is uh, from a, a document that uh, was created in 1968. 
upon the 75th anniversary of the founding of uh, the church and, and the construction of the building of uh, at least the early part of the church. And this is just a page entitled uh, Historical Highlights. It uh, gives really the, the early history and, and some of the major events throughout the history of the church. So I'm going to read this uh, straight from this document, and uh, that'll kick things off. So Rocky River Methodist Church really began as 12 women met as a religious group in a little brick building on East Look Road. I don't even know where East <laughs> Look that Road, road still is. Exist? Does it still exist? I don't know. See, this is why right, we, need, uh, we need smarter people than us on right. board. So these 12 women, it says they called themselves the Willing Workers. Services were held when invited ministers could be obtained. So I picture this being uh, circuit rider days, right? Yeah, okay, so, yeah. yeah, these literally were, uh, yeah. at the time, only huh. men who would come through on horseback right. and uh, would be able to preach and, and lead worship for these 12 women who were the, uh, who were the, the day-to-day um, engine of the church that made it go. In 1885, a Sunday school was started. In the following year, many fundraising efforts such as lawn socials, chicken dinners at 10 cents a serving, Mm. made it possible for the willing workers to purchase the lot, which is the present site of the church. So 1885, um, we went from uh, the occasional worship service and a a fellowship of, of women to establishment of a Sunday school and uh, a a number of uh, fundraising efforts that got to the point where they could purchase this property. And then in 1893, it says, the original church that is still in use was built, 1893. Five liberal donors gave $5,000 for the building, $5,000. Another donated the furniture. There were no utilities. However, a shed was provided to shelter the horses and buggies. All right. There were, at the time, 11 families in the membership of the church. 11 families and, uh, what, 10 horses or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm sure they they all uh, came on. (laughs) Yeah, they all came on. I don't even know how this works. Yeah, when when we come (laughs) to church, you know, usually take one car per family. Yeah, that's true. Do you think they they each rode a separate? (laughs) That's probably what the buggies were for. Oh, yeah, that's true. They took the family and the buggy. Right. Yep. Yep. 11 families, 11 horses, 11 buggies, (laughs) and $5,000 from five donors that made it possible to construct the building. At the time of the dedication in 1893, the membership stood at 30. Since then, other dates serve as milestones in our heritage. And here is a uh, somewhat brief timeline of some of the major happenings here at Rocky River United Methodist Church. So we left off in 1893. We jump now to 1923. The old church caught fire and the north end of the building was ruined and had to be rebuilt. 1926, three years later, classrooms and dining facilities were added to the church, increasing the floor area to approximately 10,000 square feet. So 1926, this is uh, in that period between World War I and uh, the stock market crash. So Mm. we're in the the roaring 20s. 1943, so here we are, a number of years later, in the midst of World War II, the mortgage was burned. Is the 50th anniversary, right, going back to 1893, 
the original membership of 30 had now increased 50 years later to 1,000, 1,000 members. 1945, formation of a building committee and selection of architects to study requirements and prepare preliminary plans for building expansion. So through uh, 1945, they worshipped and uh, gathered in the same building, the same um, arrangements here at uh, this site, and it was time to expand. 1952, completion and consecration of education building, housing classrooms, dining facilities, parlor, and offices. Alterations were made to the original church. So we have some alterations and some additions to the original building by 1952. So that's when Wesley Hall was, right? I believe so. Yeah, we would have to get confirmation. Dining facilities? I would yeah. imagine that would be... I'm pretty sure it was Wesley Hall. And okay. And that whole lower section of... Education building. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I yeah. think so. Um, 1955, formation of planning committee to study requirements for expansion of church facilities. A successful building fund campaign was completed and architects' uh, plans were developed. So this is only three years later after they completed the education building. They're ready to uh, do another building campaign. And wow. in 1957... Contract was let and ground broken for a new church sanctuary. 1958, construction completed and the sanctuary consecrated, increasing our church facilities to a total of 47,000 square feet of floor area. That's an increase from 1926 when it was 10,000 square feet. <coughs> 1968, 10 years later, after the completion of the sanctuary, the mortgage was burned and the 75th anniversary was celebrate, celebrated. Membership now was up to 2,773. So from a membership of 30 in 1893 to 1,000 in 1943 to 2,773 by 1968. Hmm. And that brings us to the completion of this timeline because this document uh, was created. Uh, the year that uh, this last event took place in 1968 and um, to my knowledge a, a timeline that encompasses things that have happened since then does not exist but maybe that's something we'll have to, <laughs> maybe the right. the, uh, the youth could do that oh Isn't yeah that what everybody yeah, says yeah, right. they should have the youth do it yeah we should uh, no, be, <laughs> yeah we should recreate a time I wonder if there is another timeline that goes past that there's gotta be but you would think um, but Maybe Very we're not as attentive to our history and yeah, documenting that's, that's things as we point. should be. That's a good point. So uh, real quick, and then I'll turn things over to Stephen. So it, it certainly caught our eye, 1923, that the old church caught fire. The north end of the building was ruined, had to be rebuilt. Here's just a, a, an additional note on that from a separate document. Um, it says that on Christmas Eve, the church caught fire. So... I, there's no more uh, to the narrative than that, but on Christmas Eve, I, d I don't know, I picture maybe the most horrific uh, way to envision this is they're singing Silent Night to Candlelight. And, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't want to think that then way. Then a but cow kicked one of the candles, right? And yeah, maybe they had a live oh, nativity. Wait, no, that's the Chicago fire. Oh, was it? The <laughs> cow kicked oh. some, Yeah. Well, it doesn't mean it didn't play out here. <laughs> just not as memorable right. because, you know, it was a little smaller. But yeah. live nativity, people singing Silent Night, live uh, candles. 
Anyhow, the church caught fire, destroying the back part of the building, the piano, carpets, and decorations. Consequently, a large addition to the north end was built. Church schoolrooms were remodeled. So this was the fire. So we, we don't know exactly what the uh, cause of the fire was, but uh, according to this document, it happened on Christmas Eve. But also, according to the second document, it happened in 1925. The timeline uh, that I just finished reading has it listed for 1923. So there's a bit of a discrepancy here. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for somebody from the church that was uh, here worshiping on Christmas Eve when the fire broke out in either 1923 or 25 yeah. that can set us straight. So if yeah. you are that person or know of that person, uh, please let us know which year so that we can correct it for the timeline that the youth are going to create for us. Yes. Uh, my guess is that's 1923. So I, I'm i going to bet Paul two uh, chocolate chip cookies. What kind? <laughs> where are you getting the cookies? Uh, where, uh, not one chocolate giant, chip cookies. Giant like another. Eagle. Giant Eagle. <laughs> what? We have some amazing. I mean, Giant Eagle makes some good big yeah. I I don't want to put them down no. at all, but. Uh, blackbirds right down the street. Sure, yeah, sure. So. We're gonna go blackbird. Okay. Um, but we'll never know. Like, how are you going to prove it? I, ju- I don't know. If someone comes out and says that they know that, that they have the official document or picture or something. I don't know. It's probably going to be somebody in their 20s or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and by the way, we're not sponsored by Giant Eagle or any other company. <laughs> well, Though, not if anymore. you do want to sponsor us, <laughs> we, used we will to happily be. take you. Up until two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, that's fascinating history. I'm gonna we're gonna kind of jump a little bit backwards and look at the dedication of the main sanctuary. So there's a document that we have. It's um, about the week. It's called the a week of celebration from November 23rd to the 30th in ni- 1958. So there was a whole week of celebration for the main sanctuary in its opening. Um, so this was a huge, huge undertaking, a huge celebration of, of, of real a major accomplishment of this church um, up until that time and still to this day um, until the building of Beacon. But yeah, this was a major accomplishment. So we have a pamphlet that's all about this celebration week, and the pamphlet opens up with a message from the pastor, Robert Scully. And um, I'm going to read the message of the pastor from 1958, um, what his message was to the congregation in this week of celebration. So it says, um, we invite you, we invite you to be with us during our great week of celebration. It is our high (coughs) hope that every member of the church will participate in the activities of this week. To To our new members who have joined recently, we extend a warm welcome. We want you to feel at home with us. Indeed, we want everyone um, in the community to feel that they are invited to be with us. Bring your friends and neighbors. Let us all share together in this once-in-a-lifetime experience. Our wonderful dream has come true. Our new church is completed. The beautiful sanctuary which you will see represent represents a cost of $716,000. It is not completely paid for, but the remaining debt does not seem overwhelming when we look be look upon what has been accomplished during these past few years 
This magnificent house of God is indeed a worthy monument to the work, prayers, and sacrifices of the members of this church. Our congregation knows how knows how to work together. Cooperation has been the key word. So we want to express our sincere appreciation to everyone who has helped to make our new church a reality. At the end of the week, we will participate in the service of consecration. As we consecrate our building, let us remember that the church is the body of Christ, made up of people dedicated to the service of our, of our Lord. We are the church. Let us, on this glorious occasion, consecrate ourselves together with our building to worship and work to, to the worship and work of the Almighty God. Sincerely, Robert Scully. So this is the opening um, letter that this past this pastor that um, Reverend Scully wrote to um, the congregation in um, this pamphlet for the opening of the main sanctuary. Um, and obviously, this was a huge, huge occasion because you're taking a full week out. In this pamphlet, you can see kind of what they did for the entire week. They had um, dinners, they had meals, they had they dedicated the organ, they had a Thanksgiving service, they had a family night, probably had a family game night there. Probably, what kind of games were around in 1958? Uh, didn't uh, they push, like, hoops down the street <laughs> with sticks? <laughs> yeah. That was one. Marbles? Was, was Mon- Monopoly out in 1958? I think so. I think it Only was. Only because I feel like I've seen Monopoly boxes that are at least right. 70 oh, yeah, to yeah, 80 yeah, yeah. years that's old. True. That's true. Yeah. So I wonder what they did on family night. Um so they had all these different things throughout Sunday through Sunday. There were um, the only day there was an event was on a mon- on was on Monday, but kick the can. I yeah, think. kick. That yeah, was really can. big. Right. Hide and seek. They probably did out on family night for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I wonder what kind of can it was. I don't, I don't know. Maybe uh, what kind of soups were out then? Campbell's soup, maybe. Mm, yeah, Campbell's. <laughs> I feel like they're old enough. Sixty-eight isn't super old. No, this is. I feel like we're. Maybe right. exaggerating a bit. Right. <laughs> Probably most of our audience right now is yeah, being exactly. insulted by our reference to 68. Yeah, good job, Paul. Yeah, sorry about that. It was all him. All right, but um, yeah, so we're also going to look at, I kind of want to look at um, a paragraph that was written about um, the building of the sanctuary, um, what was the lead into it, the, the buildup and um, the preparation. And I'm going to read through this. And it says, for many years, the dream, the dream of a new church sanctuary has been the utmost in the minds of the members of our congregation. That dream is about to become a reality. Since 1945, when architects were selected, all studies concerning expansion have in included a new church sanctuary in the overall plan. However, any new program had to be undertaken in steps. The first unit to under the first unit to be built was the educational building, which ties together our original church with the new structure. From the floor plans on page 10 and 11, you will note that um, that all buildings were functional and have been planned and adequately housed many varied activities. This new sanctuary, including the balcony and choir loft, will accompany approximately 800 people. Um, the new Wesley Hall, which Paul brought to our attention, on the floor ground seats 400 people, a new library, seven classrooms, a stage, dressing rooms, and many other faci- faci- facilities have been included. Um, our new church sanctuary is of the early American or Georgian architectural structure, architectural type, 
and with the exception of the ground floor areas, the theme has been followed throughout. This classical design exemplifies an atmosphere conductive to worship. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about the main sanctuary, the thoughts behind it, the plan behind it. It was a very intentional, uh, very well thought out plan. So when Wesley was built and everything around that area, they had in mind that they were going to build a sanctuary basically right on top of it. Um, so they already had that kind of in a pre-planned view, um, which is just an amazing thing to think about because it just speaks to how well the um, the church was growing and developing and also speaks to how well the, the leadership and trustees and every all the committees were working together and they all had this shared vision. Uh, must have been a very exciting time during the church, mm-hmm. church history. Do you remember, Stephen, the first time you walked into the sanctuary? Right. Yeah, so I, that's true. I um, I do remember the first time I walked in, and I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. It's it's so much bigger than what you think. Just the high ceilings give it such a right. um, grandiose, and like you're walking in. I, and I, I really, to be honest, I like that. Um, I think some of the modern churches can, um, don't have that feeling that you're walking into something like a holy setting it kind of some of the newer churches kind of feel like you're walking into an airport or something just walk mm-hmm. into a building where this you have you can tell that this this building or this room represents something greater than yourself because when you walk in you feel small um and i'm sure that's the intention that that you're worshiping the god of the universe and you come into the room and you're gonna feel small um, and and I, it's just that feeling of of um, something much greater and divine. So yeah, what about you? Remember the first time you walked in? Uh, yeah, I do. Well, I I can't say it's a um, it's a, a memory that I can flash back <laughs> to specifically, but I right. do remember how impressed I was by the just the the vastness uh, yeah. and how impressive the just the, the experience was of walking into it and, and you make some good points about um, you know the intention behind that being something that maybe is lost on some of the contemporary worship spaces that you might uh, walk into elsewhere and uh, you know it, there is a purpose for it there's there's a reason uh, we want to be blown away we want we want it to be a breathtaking experience. Um, and we do want to feel small when we walk into a worship space. Uh, at least that's that's one healthy, I think, reaction. Um, it reminds me of the, I want to say it's the Church of the Nativity uh, mm. in in Jerusalem yeah. that uh, you, you literally cannot enter uh, without ducking. Or, and huh. For some people uh, with <laughs> uh, who are a bit taller, um, it's it's, you know, Fully, almost folding yourself in half to get through the front door, and and uh, I think the intent was, you know, to have this sense of reverence that uh, we recognize every time we're in the presence of the divine that we need to have that that uh, sense of humility and respect, and um, so I think there's there's a lot of intentionality in some of the older buildings to to give us that experience. Um, I don't think that. You know that means you can't worship without that, um, and there are certainly some things that are being very intentionally done in in modern worship settings that are just as valuable and just unique uh, from this. But um, but this is something that you know you don't want to lose sight of um, in time. So 
Uh, that cover the dedication of the, the yeah, sanctuary. Yeah, I think okay. That pretty well covers it. So as we as we focus on the intentionality, I guess, of uh, the, the creation of the sanctuary, um, I have another document here that is more of a uh, just a general history piece uh, about the church. That uh, honestly, not sure what this document was created for. Um, but it includes a reference to some of the symbols, some of the features in the sanctuary, some of the symbols that are represented here. And I think that uh, there's, there's a, a fair amount of content, but I think it's, it's worth a read. So kind of walk us through the uh, sanctuary really inside and out, you know, outside the, the narthex and the front of the church by Detroit Road and, and uh, through the sanctuary itself and touch on some of the symbolism. Uh, just general features um, and uh, things that we may not be aware of just because we're, we're accustomed to coming in, taking a spot in our pew and, and participating, but uh, not necessarily taking in everything around us. So uh, the first is the, the steeple. As you approach our church, you see its stately steeple, it reads. It is a symbol of God as our refuge and strength. It is a silent and ever impressive finger pointing to the heavens lifting up man's eyes to the Lord, from whence cometh our help. When the morning service is over, when the doors are closed, when the lights are extinguished, the steeple continues to give out its unceasing call to the Lord. It is a constant symbol of man's aspiration to reach God. And I think uh, uh, more of a healthy aspiration. (laughs) So your aspiration to reach God, and I can't help but go back to the Tower of Babel when we were seeking to become gods but the the big picture of our our sanctuary the experience uh, and everything it represents is a a healthy aspiration to reach god um, in in deference to him and in relationship rather than uh, to replace him or become him so uh, i think it's a very healthy thing and our our steeple is one of the more prominent um, sites in in all of rocky river Uh, it's it's lit up by um, a a spotlight of some sort um and uh, one of the things that a lot of folks don't know goes on behind the scenes that, you know, every year during um, daylight savings time when they change clocks, uh, somebody has to change the timer on that, that light to make sure the steeple is properly illuminated at the right times. And Reverend Dan is the expert on that. But uh, just uh, one of those little things that uh, if you never look up, you never really appreciate and, and don't get the experience that's intended. Didn't uh, I think not too long ago a community member drew or painted a picture of the church and the steeple and yeah, gave it to us right so, that's right uh yeah. i think it was a gentleman who lives on a street that is uh right across from the church and has a good view of it um so that was uh, kind of a neat experience to yeah. see that that steeple and, and our sanctuary as a whole were a uh, focal point for his uh, painting so yeah yeah it's pretty neat yeah it, sh- it shows that uh, there's a, a beauty um, that kind of transcends even uh, beyond you know people who consider this their church home. There's right. something that people recognize and, and right. admire about it even outside of that. Yeah, I read somewhere it was called the Beacon for Christ on the North Coast. So um, I think it does hold some real sin- significance in the community. And do you know, is our steeple higher than St. Chris? Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's you important know, that's i've important. been meaning to measure that so um maybe yeah. maybe you and and well not i yeah. maybe you could measure it sometime maybe we can go you. into saint chris incognito you know put, put <laughs> yeah. on some design uh, some design or mask or something we'll, we'll yep. change ourselves and 
We should go be an, a steeple inspectors. Steeple so. inspectors, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We could go on uh, during trick or treat. This yeah, year, <laughs> nobody really pays any attention yeah, to this stuff yeah. during trick or treat. Okay. <coughs> All yeah, right. we, yeah. All my funny. kids have aged out at trick or treat, so and I'm sure you could get free if you needed to. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. I mean, actually, uh, this is kind of a side note, but. I've seen many videos of people wearing those uh those vests like construction vests. Yeah, like neon green. Yeah, those things. neon vests, and they can just get into anywhere. So all <laughs> we have to do is put a vest on. Yep, and yep. say we're expecting the steeple, and then we can try to measure and see how measure. high it is. Wonder yeah. what we should use to <laughs> measure it. We could. Uh, well, I, I have a ruler. Yeah, I, your wife has a, a yardstick, so we can. Start, oh, uh, that'll yeah. cut our <laughs> our time in in a third. Right, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Wow. Well, I think most of what we do around here is a side <laughs> note. So that was a good one. But um, continuing on, we have, we have the steeple, we have the columns. So as you enter the church, you note four tall white columns supporting the outside roof above the entrance. These symbolize, many people don't realize, the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, whose writings give support to the church. Also, there are three entrance doors symbolizing the Holy Trinity, God the Father, uh, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Before you enter the sanctuary, you see a sign which says, and maybe before we inspect the St. Chris steeple, we should, uh, Stephen and I read this earlier and we don't recall seeing this. So there's a sign it says, um, which reads, this is our Father's house. Enter quietly, worship reverently leave joyously so um we'll have to look for that sign or if you're coming on uh, sunday morning check it out for us see if it's still there if not yeah. then um y'all get some construction paper and we'll <laughs> see because yeah. it's uh it's history yeah uh next is the sanctuary itself in the sanctuary you find before you a long center aisle leading to the altar this aisle symbolizes the pathway of life to God. For along this path move worshipers seeking the Father, children to be baptized, young people to be confirmed, couples to be joined in marriage, and the dead to be commended to God's loving care. At the end of the aisle is our altar. As a symbol which goes back to Old Testament times, the altar represents sacrifice since it was originally the place where animals were slain and sacrificed. And more on the altar. On the altar are two candles symbolizing Christ's humanity and divinity. Also that he is the light of the world. Behind and above the altar is the cross, the central object in Christian symbolism. It reminds us that Christ died for us. In the Protestant church, the cross has no figure of Jesus Christ upon it. The empty cross symbolizes the victory of our Lord over death on the cross, that he is risen, and that we worship not a dead Christ, but the living Christ. The section from the altar rail to the altar is called the chancel. The Christian flag is symbolic of our loyalty to God. The flowers are symbolic of Christ's resurrection. And as the seed dies to produce the beautiful flowers, so human life dies that it may flower again in eternal life. Next, we have the baptismal font. Another church symbol is the baptismal font, which is meadow white marble from Vermont. It is octagonal or eight-sided, for it was on the eighth day after his birth that Jesus was brought to the temple for dedication. I never mm. knew that. That's the reason it's, uh, it's an octagon. Next, we ascend three steps to the lectern and the pulpit. The three steps remind us of the Holy Trinity and the three Christian virtues, faith, hope, and love. 
From the lectern, the scriptures are read, and from the pulpit, the minister proclaims God's will. The minister wears a dark robe, except during Easter season, (laughs) (laughs) because it emphasizes his position as leader of worship and symbolizes the role of scholar and teacher. (coughs) Excuse me. Finally, we have the rose window, the rose window, which is the uh, window above the altar. Now we come to the symbolism of our beautiful rose window called such because it is in the form of a rose. It symbolizes the promise of the Messiah. In the Bible, Jesus called the Rose of Sharon. Isaiah says, And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose, typifying the joyful flourishing of Christ's kingdom. You will note that the window has 12 petals. Four of the petals are red and form two crosses in a diagonal position. At the end of each of the red petals are the white fleur de lis, of purity and the stars of heavenly steadfastness. At the end of each of the 12 petals is the ruby flame of divine zeal. In the center are the two Greek letters, chi, rho, which are an abbreviation of the Greek word for Christ. So Christ is at the heart of the rose of divine love. Wow, that's deep. That's nice. That is nice. That's why I've always like stained glass just because of all the symbolism in it and it's just a beautiful it's a beautiful thing it Um, is and yeah how it all just kind of flows together like you're not just looking at all these distinct uh symbols they they all tell one big story Story, right uh colors symbolism continues through the pure rich colors red symbolizes devotion and sacrifice blue symbolizes divine wisdom eternity heaven itself, and the steadfastness of enduring loyalty that in our speech we call true blue. Green is the color of hope, springtime, youth, and victory. Gold symbolizes spiritual treasures, worthy achievements, and the good life. Violet symbolizes justice, um, justice, mystery, pain, and penitence. White is the symbol of faith, of the light of truth, of peace, and serenity. In conclusion, let us ever keep in mind that all of us who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus are also symbols. We are living symbols of how a Christian should live. Jesus said, ye shall be my witnesses. He wanted us to be living symbols of his cause. Witnesses. He wanted us to be living symbols of his cause. Ha! I think that last, uh, that last line they... Uh, printed twice in here. They didn't yeah. have me around in 19-whatever yeah. to proofread things. So, yeah. It. Isn't it? This is a reading from a sermon, right? <clears throat> this is, oh, here we go. Understanding the symbols of our church taken from Reverend Scully's sermon in the 1950s. So, Reverend nice. Scully preached on this one Sunday morning. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. So, nice. that's uh, that's kind of a walkthrough, at least took us through the 50s. Was there yeah. any other comments you wanted to make, Stephen? I know we had we had kind uh, of a cool blueprint, like a layout of the church right. that was so, fascinating. Yeah, there's a cool blueprint that kind of shows up. <coughs> yeah, the just um, how the church used to look back in 1950. The um, the blueprint of like Wesley Hall, the kitchens, the classrooms, fellowship halls. There's there's a quite a few things that there's a quite a few things that are actually still in the place that they originally were but there's also major changes so it's just i always that's really interesting this to think how the church has evolved and changed but also to think how some of the things have remained the same for for years um so 
and also doing a little math if we go back to 1885 this church right now is 137 years old um, also the chapel which was built in 1893 so the chapel is technically 129 years old so next mm. year it'll be 130 years old um, and it's just that's for me that's pretty fascinating to think about um, just how long this church has been serving this community and and how many people have been through its doors and all the history that has transpired around the world and in our country and and just the history of this church and um i i do think i get a, a little bit of better appreciation now when i walk around the church and walk into the sanctuary and think about all those that have gone before me to prepare this sanctuary and also you walk into the chapel just thinking about man that's that's a lot of history hmm. um to walk into and and uh maybe i can I'm still, if I'm quiet, I can hear their voices still, but that's a whole nother issue. So <laughs> that issue is is correct. That's the right word to apply there. <laughs> no, I don't hear any voices, but uh, yeah, it's I I love um, the history of this church. It's it's really rich, <laughs> rich history. <laughs> well, we did start by announcing that there was um, what's it called a. Uh, <clears throat> underneath the church that, uh, uh, catacombs catacombs yeah, yeah so maybe there are voices <laughs> yeah. yes no it's uh, i don't know it's it's a fascinating study and and i'm i am uh, somebody who who borders on skepticism when it comes to our kind of uh over <clears throat> indulgement and in, in, in indulgent in in uh church buildings and uh, how much we emphasize them and, and invest ourselves in them, resources and such. And um, and, and there's always going to be a part of me that's like that. Part of it's because I, I just uh, I love the spontaneity and the, and the uh, freedom of, of worshiping in, in the outdoors or in, in different places and, and not getting too caught up in, in a building itself. I love uh, not having to invest time and energy into a building when there's so many other things that the church can be about. But uh, in, in some respect, well, first of all, I, I 100% respect and appreciate the um, the energy and, and the commitment that has gone into creating and maintaining this building as it is, as a, a space and a place for worship. And and really, it's uh, at the end of the day, even though I, I still hold, uh, hold fast to some of those thoughts, I, I just referenced it. Uh, the church building is, um, if we think of our, our faith walks as a story, uh, the church building is really the setting of uh, the, the vast majority of the scenes from that story. And it, <clears throat> it holds a, a place similar to maybe uh, if you think about the home that you grew up in, the, you know, the house that you grew up in. It, maybe the house itself wasn't nearly as important as your family was and, and the experiences you had the memories that you made together uh, so it's the people that are of the utmost importance but there's always a setting uh, to every good story and the setting uh, can grow near and dear to our hearts too and and so for many people especially those who go back uh, decades in this church building um, they have many many memories and, and pivotal moments in their life and moments that uh, just characterized the, the, the growth of their faith and and uh, just breakthroughs and in their relationship with God that were set right here in this church building with with different people, characters from their past and this church's past. And because of that, the building holds a kind of a sacred space for them as, as it should. And uh, 
we are very, very blessed to have um, the building that we do and to um, to be able to use it as a tool for ministry. And that's uh, one of the things we saw in one of these pamphlets referenced how um, <clears throat> how it's easy in some respects to build a church, but sometimes it can be difficult to um, to properly use it. And I think mm-hmm. we are um, as successful as we possibly can be right now at making this church uh, effectively a tool for ministry. And I thank the, the trustees for all the work they put into that and anybody who has a, a hand in keeping this place looking uh, great and functional and making decisions that allow us to open it up to the community because it truly is a tool for ministry uh, for people of all walks of life and and uh, people who maybe don't consider it their church home but um, are being influenced in a positive way by the the generosity of this church and uh, willingness to host uh, people from the community right here in our own church home. So uh, lots to to break down. It's been a fun journey um, with you as we walk through the history of this church, and I'm sure we'll revisit maybe different aspects of it down the road. But thank you for going on the trip with us. And uh, feel free in the comments section, let us know if if there are things we didn't cover that uh, maybe we might be fascinated by or you you think uh, would would deserve another revisit uh, to to enjoy some other aspects of the history of this church. Um, But we hope it was... Uh, educational, informative, and inspiring for you to know a little bit more about your church home, uh, people, building, events, experiences, and just the, the, the legacy that is Rocky River United Methodist Church. So thanks for joining us, friends. We hope to see you soon, uh, whether in the building here or online or uh, just continuing to, to walk together, sharing our stories as we seek the Lord together. Uh, bless you. Have a great week.